views and opinions held by the domestic game do not necessarily represent those held by AFI. Remember guys, we're just having a bit of crack, so don't be rude, be nice. Hi everybody, it's Rob from the Domestic Game Podcast. Just want to give you a brief reminder of about our Buy Me A Coffee campaign, the links of which are available social media accounts. And thank you so much to everyone who's so far bought us a coffee. Hello and welcome to the Domestic Game Podcast, where we bring you the insights and stories of all things American football here in Ireland. We're your hosts, Kevin Hart, and I'm Robbie Caldwell. Let's get done. Well, Joe, we mustn't be doing that bad of a thing if uh, Kelly is agreed to uh, let us fly solo again on another episode i don't think it's like she definitely didn't elect for us it's more of a begrudging like oh fine i'm off playing my own flag football y'all you guys do your thing but uh it's flag season we got there again we're going for is this season two of the domestic game this is season two yeah i Oh, I'm pretty sure at this stage, if we're going to go with the flag year as marking the start of our seasons, I believe this would be season two, season two premiere. I can't believe it's gotten this far, to be honest, but we're happy. We're glad with what we got. We've uh, gotten nominated for a couple of cheeky awards. Check out the socials to see how you can vote for us. National awards. So yeah, maybe we're not as bad as some people maybe say we are sometimes. So obviously, for those wondering, we will be talking about the bowl games for kids. Do not worry. You are talking to two people who competed in some of those bowl games. We will get to it. Please calm down. Today we are talking about the flag season, not the flag. The more important flag. We are getting into Division 1, Premier Division. We're taking a look at how maybe we see how we rank teams. Maybe a bit of a projection for playoffs. Maybe we'll do division winners, maybe, perhaps. And uh, then we'll have a look at games uh, coming this weekend, actually. Hopefully we are able to get this out on time enough that people on the on the way up to games can give this episode a bit of a listen and maybe see how good or how bad we see them doing this weekend. That sounds good to me. But as I'll say to you, Joe, the great doctor has assured me that as long as we pay her right, she will get this episode out on time. How she will do it, you know, in between catching passes and for touchdowns in her own flag season, I do not know. But the doctor has never let us down before. That's true. Although I will say that history has shown that it's very hard to get money out of a Kinahan. It's usually the other way around. Oh, no. Anyway, not that <laughs> Kinahan. Hashtag not that Kinahan. So I guess we'll start in Division 1, Robbie. Bit of a shake-up, couple new teams. Right. New teams in the scene. Joining the league this year is... Now, hold on. So I'm going to take a brief aside here. Maybe we'll leave this in. Uh, is it Setu? Are we pronouncing it as a word? Or are we saying S-E-T-U for a yeah, while? It's, it's like like the way the French say it. It's like Setu. Setu. <laughs> Perfect. The, Setu. The, okay, so the French Waterford. So they are one of the teams that have joined. Cause the Giants are playing flag for the first time. Competing in flag for the first time this season. And we have the Dublin City Wolves as well joining this year. So three new teams this year, Robbie, on top of a couple of development teams from the Dublin Rebels and Belfast City Lions. So this that will make things a bit harder to project. I suppose we're going to be going based off of maybe how their kitted teams do, 
or maybe some players that we know of joining from other teams. But there is a bit of a, you may need to give us a bit of a leeway on these ones. <laughs> it is. It's it's going to be uh, very interesting. You know, I know both the, the Rebels and the Lions last year actually wanted to have seconds teams, but being in Division 1, they weren't able to because there was no division below it. We all know that you can't have two teams from the one team in the one division. So that would be interesting to see how, you know, they managed to run two teams at once. With the likes of the Giants starting to play football now for the flag football, great to see them. I know there was a lot of interest there last year, but then the Donaghy Group Invitational Cup happened and they decided to stick with the kitted and to go that direction only. And then Setu, I know Setu have wanted to play before, before they became Setu when they were just Waterford Institute of Technology. However, just different mitigating factors just prevented them from getting their season off the ground and unfortunately had to pull out last minute. And then the Dublin City Wolves, who are a dissident Quetzal group that we've come to know, maybe a breakaway splinter group. Going to be very interesting to find out a bit more about them. Like you said, Joe, it's it's going to be an interesting way how you can rank that second division, even the Premier Division with the teams coming up on it. But before we actually get into how we rank the teams, in your new role as the Deputy Commissioner of Flag Football here in Ireland, I don't know if that's your title, but I'm going to call you the Deputy Commissioner. What big changes are happening this year to the actual structure of the league? I'm looking here, we're still with the uh, Premier Division North, Premier Division South, Division One North, and Division One South. Is everything going to be the same with regards to the playoffs, with regards to promotion relegation? I'm sure everyone listening would love to find out what is actually going to happen going into the league, just so people have sort of a different checkpoints of where they need to get to get to playoff football later on in the year. Yeah, so I guess there are a couple bullet points for. We're going to be highlighting and promoting the league. There's 120 games scheduled this year. It's the most I think we've ever had in Ireland, uh, including playoffs. There's going to be one team from each division gets relegated and promoted, I believe. Off the top of my head now, I can't quite remember. There's so much going on the last few weeks. And then the playoffs is a four-team playoff in each league. So Premier Division will have four teams. Division 1 will have four teams. The Division winner. See, it's a bit hard now with these terms, division. So I'm going to say Premier Division. So North Division winner, South Division winner will be given playoff status. And then the next two highest seeded teams, regardless of division or regardless of North or South, will be granted into playoffs. So you could have a situation where it's, say, Premier North won. Premier South 1, Premier South 2, Premier South 3, Premier North 1, 2, 3, South 1, North 1, 2, South 1, 2. Could go any way like that. The only way to be guaranteed playoff football is to win your division, whether it be the North or the South. Yes, yeah. Obviously, a key to that then is you're talking about winning games and not losing points. There's a bit of a stricter come down on losing points as well. So not providing referees for games, not showing up. Obviously, if you miss a game day, that is you relegated. If you're in Premier Division, that is you relegated regardless. And if you're in Division 1, that is you eliminated from playoff contention regardless. So I guess it's a bit of a stricter 
condition that we're looking for now. You know, we're looking for more stability in clubs. So we can't really be scheduling games and uh, competition for players and teams that want to play and then one team not showing up halfway through the year. And so, so this is a bit of a way to enforce this. So it's something that uh, I know from whenever I was director of flag football was that with, like you say, stability, creating stability, actually having teams that you knew you could rely on to turn up for game days for game days to happen. Some teams, nearly come the end of it, got a bit sick of playing the same teams. Back then, it was five in the north, five in the south, and you would be playing the same teams twice to get your eight-game total. Is there any scope for cross-conference games this year, or will all games be played just within your own conference, i.e. the north or the south? Uh, no, so this year it's entirely you're you're playing in your division. The only chance that a cross conference game will be in uh, playoff football. So a lot of the feedback that we had gotten was, you know, obviously there's teams, you know, they're playing the same teams, whatever. That can have its pros and its cons. But for a lot of teams as well, it just turned into if you're trying to do too many cross promotional games. Again, this is team feedback. Uh, it's adding a lot of travel. And again, if you're doing all that traveling for a team that may or may not pull out on the day, it's a lot of travel for what ends up only being less than an hour of football. So this feedback was taken back. And at least for this year, it was decided that it was better to stick to division. And, you know, maybe uh, for next year, depending on how the whole calendar for AFI works, maybe there's more scope for more games, which will allow for cross-divisional, say, one-offs or whatever. But again, that's all something that we can work towards in the future going forward and getting more and more games out of the year every year. No, absolutely. That sounds like great stuff altogether. And that's excellent to actually find out, you know, give people a little bit more clarity as to what they need to aim for to, to go on throughout the season. It basically is win your division and you will get playoff football. If not, you risk not making the cut. And that should be sort of the, the aim for every team going into it. I think at this stage, after having two years of COVID football and then actually getting a flag season during a COVID year, that the fact that we've made it through with all the Premier Division teams still competing shows that there is a good foundation of teams in the league. And hopefully now we can just continue to build on it. And this two-division structure seems to be a good way about going about things. Gives new teams an opportunity to come in to play against some quality opposition, as well as playing against some opposition more like themselves, while allowing the the teams who are the creme de la creme of flag football here in Ireland to continue to battle it out amongst each other. And I think that the whole flag programme itself seems to be in good shape. Really looking forward to actually seeing the Wolfhounds getting into a bit of flag action. I know there's been some new additions to the squad there. Like It just seems to be going from strength to strength. Will the flag finals be broadcast live the way the Shamrock Bowl final was? For now, I'll neither confirm nor deny, but it is definitely something that we would love to do. Again, any eyes on the sport, in my opinion at least, is good. So whether that's, I think... Uh, if we're being entirely open and honest as an AFI person here, the, our side of trying to stream the game was a bit bundled. 
thankfully the guys from UL Vikings uh, stepped up and they were phenomenal and filmed the game very good. We got a cut up of it now that'll be available on the AFI YouTube shortly as well. So we can watch the full game in length. So yeah, fair plays to them. But on an AFI standpoint, I think it was kind of maybe a little bit too last minute to try and get something of genuine proper quality by us as opposed to by UL. So hopefully this is something that we can kind of make up for that this year. The, the whole thing can be streamed by us with a, a good quality throughout. So fingers yeah. crossed is what I'll say. Much love to the guys from UL. Like if, Absolutely. If, a club, if a club team can have that ability to produce. I was watching the, the game while in the stream. It was near 100% perfect. Very rarely glitched out. The actual visual quality of it was top-notch, could yeah. not complain. Commentary throughout was excellent. And I think it was something that was like, they really have set the standard for what can be achievable. If a club team can achieve what they did for two other teams, if that makes sense, yeah. like they should be happening week in, week out. Like it's kind of the thing where it's like, oh, Nobody thinks it can be done until it's done. And the guys from UL doing that, like, fair play to them. Like, honestly, a credit to their club. This organization as a whole, I say this where AFI really should be like, here, look at what can be done. We need to push to get this going. Because that was great. Like, that game, there was a good couple of hundred people watching online. And I think everyone who was watching interacting in the comment section just was loving what was going on it was brilliant but like we said earlier in the show tonight is not about the shamrock bowl tonight is about flag football so we gonna into the to the flag conversation and just get straight into it gonna start at the bottom we're gonna go into division one and i think just gonna start off power rankings gonna hit you up who do you think joe Going from, there's 12 teams in Division 1, 12 in Division, or in the Premier Division. Yes, sir. Going from 12, 11, 10, Division 1, hit me. It's kind of hard to go like strictly 12, 11, 10. I was nearly going to say, or I was going to try like do it tiers, but you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to wipe out. I'm going to go and just go full steam ahead. I would say Quickfire, Setu, Waterford uh, 12, Giants 11, Jets 10. If I'm going to give my bottom three, we've seen a bit out of the Jets last season. Obviously, Giants and, and Waterford are new, so it's kind of hard to tell what to predict there. But those would be my bottom three off the top of the dome anyway. How about yourself, Rob? Set two coming in at number 12. Unfortunately, like we haven't really seen anything from them. Giants, they have players who are playing kitted football. You've got the Borman Twins. I remember even seeing them walking towards me. It was kind of like they passed one of them. I didn't realize they were twins at the time. And then next thing, there's like a carbon copy walking towards me. And I'm like, okay, I need to be checked out here. But uh, then, like you said, I know you went for the, the Jets there. Was it the Jets you went for at number 10? I'm going to put in the Dublin Wolves. Going to go with the Wolves. I've played against the Jets. I've seen what the Jets can do. They've got like a lot of fast players. They've got a few players who have played flag beforehand so i can't put them down just that low 
Yeah, that's entirely fair enough. Again, it's hard to separate teams within a rank or two of each other. Just, I'm curious to see where you had the Jets yourself. I know I might be skipping ahead a bit. Number nine. Number nine. (laughs) So we're locked on the first two anyway. And I actually had the Wolves at nine. So we're in, in or around the same realm there anyway. So our bottom four teams in Division One are our bottom four teams both for each other. Yes. Slight variation in the order, but that's really it. So Same answer, on, different way again there. Move, <laughs> moving on then to our eight and seventh picks. I'm going to go Crusaders at eight, followed by the Knights. Now, I know that's a big fall from Grace for the Knights coming down from the Premier Division. But when I look at the teams that were in Division 1 last year and how they performed in Division 1 and how the Knights performed in the Premier Division, there were some of those teams that I feel would have nearly even made a push for playoffs in the Premier Division last year. So unfortunately for the Knights and the Crusaders, they're going in 7 and 8. I feel like I'm in around the same area there as well. I myself have Knights 8 and Quetzals 7th. They were 3-3 three and three last year. Didn't score an awful lot of points. And look, at the end of the day, as much as we love to see good defense and flag, it is an offensive-powered game. And especially they're going to be in South Division with the likes of the Minotaurs and UCD and the second Rebels team. Those are all really high scoring teams that if you know, you have to be able to match that. And I just from what we saw last year, I don't think they're quite there. So that's my seven and eight anyway. Knights eight, then Quetzal seven. And I'll jump ahead into six. Uh, I actually have the, Crus- the Crusaders at six. Jordan Farrell obviously playing with the Crusaders now for flag. Matty O'Mara playing QB for the Eagles, as far as I am aware, anyway. So I feel like getting quarterback like Jordan in, it just it helps, I think, a bit more with a little bit more familiar quarterback play. So I have them slightly above the Quetzals and the Knights at six. How about yourself, Robbie? Coming in at six, I actually had the Quetzals. But now that you've said that Jordan is actually playing for the Crusaders this season in flag, that really has... Throwing a bit of a spanner in the works for me now and, and how I feel, you know, it is like we said, that quarterback position it's the most important position in football for a reason. If you can get that right, you massively increase your chances of having a successful season. That would be extremely interesting to see how he performs, see will any other Eagles actually join him in the crusade. So, depending on, on what happens there, that could have quite the impact on the Crusaders' performance. I have them currently at 8th. I could easily see them leapfrog up into 6th, into maybe even higher as the year goes on. Going to be very interesting to just actually keep an eye out on that and see how how things develop there. But at the minute, I have the Quetzals. I know, as I was saying earlier, a few of their players have jumped ship to go to the, the Dublin Wolves and kind of form that what we've been informed by certain people around the league is a breakaway of the Quetzals. So maybe I'm being too optimistic for them. Just time will tell. Simple as time will tell. 
So it's your number five spot then, Robbie. So number five, this is where I, I really saw like the five the whole way to one. I feel this is nearly its its own different class of a division. I feel there is quite a a leap in the caliber of what is there compared to the rest of Division One. So at five, I have got the Elks. At five, I also have the Elks. So it's funny how uh, how similar we're, <laughs> we're actually getting. We were there toying off camera for a good kind of half hour thinking, oh, do I do I put this team here? Not giving anything away, either guy, but and then thinking, oh, you know, does this team go four or do they go nine? Like some teams are, or, you know, some parts of the, of the divisions are so close. It's very hard to kind of pick who goes where. So it's funny how how similar. Do we have like four teams in the exact same spot so far? Set who? The Giants. Giants, Jets. Oh, no, you Jets nine. I Jets, Jets and Wolves. The Elks, that's three. The, what did you have the Knights at? Knights at eight. I had the Knights at seven. Yeah. So, like, everything is, is very close, whether it just be, you know, either exactly the same or we're just swapping positions with a few teams. That's really it. Nothing too drastic or <laughs> yeah. too out of the way. Uh, so the El- Elks at five. Elks at five. I hope everyone listening is like, oh, right, you know, we want a bit more drama. It's like, come on, guys, <laughs> give us something to... To latch on to. Setu at one. <laughs> Setu. Oh, I can see them becoming a big favorite of ours throughout the year. So then, with the Elks at five, there is only four teams remaining. And two of those teams are seconds teams, which I think that like really sort of speaks to the, the quality of those clubs and how those clubs performed last year. This is where I really think things are going to like get really really interesting in what way we've both laid these out i'm going to hit you with my four and number three and okay then i'm going to get you just to go straight through from four to one and see how i match up with you there okay i'm going to go in fourth belfast city lions three dublin rebels i also have belfast city lions fourth dublin rebels third oh and then obviously that leaves UCD and the Minotaurs in the final. And I, purely because of their history in flag football and how consistent they've been, and I'll put an asterisk on this and they'll hate me for it, but it's there. The asterisk of when they play, <laughs> the Minotaurs are absolutely a Premier Division team. And I see them taking the jump up this year. Definitely no bias or, you know, loyalties coming out in you there. So does that have you with the Minotaurs at one? Uh, yes, UCD to Minotaurs one. It's it's difficult, right? Because UCD obviously showed how much unbelievable their passing game is in Kitted as well. And they'd shown that in flag last year too. It's hard to kind of separate them, in my opinion. I just think with Connor Brennan at QB... Like he's very kind of precise with his passing. He's not pushing anything downfield, but every pass is catchable. Every pass is there where it should be. And I just feel, again, being on a team where we've won a national championship, I say we've, I'm not on the Minotaurs flag team now, but you know, the Minotaurs have always been there in kind of playoff football and, and 
uh, you know, semi-finals and finals in flag uh, in both Premier Division and Division One. And I just think that they finally complete a season. <laughs> they finally complete a season, and I think it's the season that they come out with a Division One championship. Two Division One championships in one year. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Two Division One championships. Why not? Why not? Unfortunately, though, like I hear what you're saying, but I firmly believe that UCD now they've got a taste for winning. They're yeah. going to want to win everything. I can't go against them if the same receivers and DBs line out there this season for the the flag as have lined out for their kid team. I feel like they're going to be an absolutely unstoppable force at that lower level. It could just become a matter of actually just keeping guys interested and, you know, not losing interest after winning four or five games by massive double, if not triple digit scorelines throughout the year. Uh, and that's it. Like, again, like we, we've been saying it the entire time coming through the rankings is like, it's such a tight call. Like, I can't say with confidence that, let's say the Knights are eight, like they could be four or say... Set who could be a beast at flag football by the time they slip onto the field and they could be in playoff content. It's really hard to try and sort out in such a tight division who's going to be in playoff football and who's missing out. And it's the same with the top of the division as well. You know, two really, really strong flag football teams. You could call it either way. And it's like, oh, well, I can't be mad at you with that prediction. So <laughs> we do differ there. I think either way, it'd be a really, really high scoring game. Like, I'd say 75, 80 points in that game, if that was the final. I think both teams are scoring more than 30 points. Yeah, like, it would be, looking through, I think that possibly is, like, if we're going for far too early preseason predictions, that is the final that you could see easily happening. And from, like, the historical evidence, that's the two teams that you would love to see playing against each other in a flag football final in this yeah. division. So there we go. That's that's Division 1. So with the Premier Division, quite similar to Division 1, I feel that looking at it, even at this early stage, there is quite a difference between the teams at the upper end of the spectrum and the lower end. Yeah, I feel like there are one or two odd ones out. Now, again, they could show up to surprises this year, but there is, you could nearly draw like a line halfway through the table. Although even then, like that's not to say that there's any definitely weak teams. Like every team in this division has shown at some stage that they're worthy of playing Premier Division football. I actually found this division quite hard to separate, especially in the kind of mid to mid upper tier. Now, I will, again, another asterisk here on Joe's predictions. I do have the Hurricanes first. I'm not going to say that Hurricanes are not the best team in Premier Division. I will stay completely 100% biased on that prediction alone. I feel like I've ranked every other team pretty well. If you want to take the Hurricanes out of my part and just imagine that second place is first and third place is second or whatever, whatever way you want to do it, but I'm not going to say the Hurricanes aren't the best team. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not going to say that these biased opinions don't have a contributing factor to the few but notable complaints against this show, but it might be something to look into. Keeping our biases out, I'm going to start this time and I'm going to give you my 12 to 8 rankings no. of, who, of who I'm going to... I'm, I'm taking a big chunk out of this because 
like you say yourself, you can see uh, a definite division from sort of the top six and the lower six. I have four teams who I can see being more or less in a bit of a scrap at the lower end of the table as opposed to the rest of them. I have two teams sort of in the mid-ranking battling against each other that I, I really cannot separate. And then I have sort of six teams who any one of them I feel could easily come out with the Premier Division title at the end of the year based on the historical evidence that we have seen from them in the flag football. So all that said and done, at 12, I'm hitting you with the Cork City Outlaws. They are down in Cork, obviously, but I feel that... That's a big shout from you. We've listened on many, many episodes. I'm a man who loves geography. Cork City Outlaws are based in Cork. I've got Cork City Outlaws coming in Number 12, unfortunately, Cork did not have a good year last year with their only win coming against the UCC Raiders, who actually pulled out of the league last year. So I can't actually remember offhand if that was an actual victory or if that was just points through forfeit. But I know it was a difficult year for the Outlaws. And honestly, unfortunately, I cannot see anything coming much more from them as this year progresses. Then I know these people are going to like have a lot of annoyance and disbelief after their performance last year uh, and their great promotion to the Premier Division. But I have to go with the Vipers at 11. It's no disrespect to the Vipers. I just feel that when you get to the Premier Division, it is a massive jump up. And I feel that possibly that this year will not be their year. If they can maintain their Premier Division status come the end of the season, that would be a success for them. Now, this is the part that I, I feel like I have to like look at myself in the mirror and just take a, I don't know, like a, a deep cold shower and just try to compose myself. Number 10, I've got the Mavericks. Hey. That was a hard one for me to go with. I just feel that at the minute, the Mavericks, when it comes to flag, are a club in flux. We've seen over the the past three full seasons a gradual decline in sort of what happened three years ago. They narrowly lost, or it's four years ago, but three seasons ago, they narrowly lost the final to the Craigavon Cowboys. Then two seasons ago, they got knocked out in the semi-final against the Eagles. And then last season, they were very, very fortunate not to get relegated from the Premier Division, finishing just above the Belfast Knights. And their actual only victories came against the Knights. On the final game day, they arrived with five players. So you can see how there's been that downward trajectory for the flag program. I know they're under new coach uh, JB Henge so hopefully JB will be able to reinvigor the the flag program in a way that their former head coach just couldn't get it going again. And then at number nine, at number nine we've got the the Belfast Trojans. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I know it's it's going to come as a shock for some 
Big T made it to the playoffs last year. However, from the previous split between Big T and, and the Belfast City Lions, how Big T's kitted season went this year, I feel like there's a lot of question marks remaining over their flag program. From how I'm feeling about it, I can't see them being content. No disrespect to the Trojans. Big T, love the organization. Some great people in it. However, when you look at the other teams within this division and how they've performed over the past few years in flag and sort of what's become their flag programs, I feel that there's a few other teams there that have significant advantage over them. And that's why, unfortunately for them, they are down in the ninth slot. I know I said I was going to go to eight, but seven and eight, that's where that's where things get a bit tight for me. Yeah. I didn't expect the Trojans at nine now, I won't lie. Although I will say the rest of the teams that you had in, in your rankings are, you can say the exact same thing for myself. I've got Outlaws 12, Vipers 11, Mavericks 10. Look, I mean, with Cork, it's hard. At one stage, Cork were... Did they win a, a national championship in 2019 or they got to the semi-final? And then I just think from there, through COVID, and uh, it's just the amount of time that it took before their next games, it kind of just really put a detriment on the growth of the club. The 2021 Summer Shield, uh, you know, they didn't blow anybody out of the water. And then obviously in the league as well, they finished, obviously apart from the UCC Raiders, dead last. It's hard to project them going forward, improving on that with the amount of quality teams in this division now at this rate, how quickly other flag teams have drastically improved and shown how they can make plays. I just don't think that the outlaws are there yet. Now, again, that's not to say they haven't recruited. They could come in and they could go undefeated. But I just think based on 2021, basically, I have the outlaws 12. Vipers 11, again, exactly like you said, no disrespect there. Again, that is a bit of a, a tear gap. I, I do have the Outlaws comfortably below the Vipers. I think the Vipers are, are, are a good bit better. They showed that in Division 1. As you said, there is a, a big quality jump there. And, you know, they have some good pieces there. Peter Hamilton can be a tricky QB to play against. They have a couple of good pieces here. Chad Higgins as well can, you know, I've seen him juke out three players in one move. So, they could score on any play, realistically. But I just think for to try and predict them winning too many games this year to get into playoffs, I don't think it's going to happen. But I think they have a, a pretty good year, you know, a, a solid year and a couple upsets here and there and they stay up in the division. And I'd certainly be rooting for them. Mavericks at 10, again, it just it's based on last year, based on 2021. Like, was it 340 points? Somewhere around there. I remember last checking the table i can have a check of it now actually but it was i, I think the at least points wise anyway i think he gave up the most amount of points in the season and again when every offense is just so high high functioning and, and so churning out points you need to figure out ways to stop them and just based on last season again I, with numbers one, it can be difficult one thing i will i will clap back there in that the final game week where they went in with five players yeah and ended up conceding possibly if not 100 points in that one game day 
I would say massively impacted on their overall points against score. I'm not going to say that they were defensively good throughout the year. There was a lot of busted assignments on defense. UCD game, it was actually, I think that was in Maynooth, where actually that was a Summer Shield game. I'm thinking back to, they had a, defensively, they did not have a good performance. And hopefully that's something that they'll manage to address this offseason. If not, like you said, it, it could be a bit of a disaster going forward for them. Yeah, I do see them staying up. I'll put that floor there. I don't think they get relegated. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that they should be aiming just for that. Like, they should be aiming for a... Again, with two games won last year, ending up against a team that went that got relegated, it's hard to put them any higher. But, again, some really good pieces on that team. We've seen that before. As you said, 2019, 2018, 2017, all playoff appearances. They've shown it before. They could do it again. I have the Raptors at nine. The Raptors have been a very good team. But I think with the, the Panthers, Dublin Panthers, again, I, I've talked before about the, the, how they develop the club and their kind of brand. Uh, they've done a really good job getting players in uh, from different teams or from different clubs, uh, in different, whether it's for kit or for flag. And I just think one or two key pieces there, I think, is uh, Joe Gray and Dougie. I think they're both on Panthers now. Off the top of my head. Oh, formerly of UCD. Formerly of UCD, formerly of the Raptors, formerly of seven or eight different clubs. Sean Douglas. Yeah, like I I think those two are like obviously fantastic players. They're both on the uh, Wolfhound squad. I think it's a big loss. If they have left, again, I can't remember. And I believe I can confirm that Joe Gray is a member of the Panthers organization. That yes. I do believe in a recent post, I have seen his name there. As for Sean Douglas, I don't know how Douglas is going to approach the, the flag season after winning a Shamrock Bowl with UCD. Yeah, that would be a, a big gain for the Panthers. Or again, if he ends up playing with the Raptors like he did last season. I think losing Joe Gray, though, is a big piece that may hurt the Raptors. That's nothing against Todd Zaboyan as QB or as a play designer even. Uh, they've always had a really good playbook. I've really enjoyed watching Raptors games. And obviously they have young pieces from what was the Thomastown Tigers on their side as well. So they've developed, I'm sure, from 2021. And I'm excited to see what a couple of their guys do there. But for now, again, when you get into this middle portion of, of the, and even into the top tier of the, of the division, it gets very hard to separate teams. So like just by the order that I've put them in, they're ninth. I could feel very differently about this in two days' time, even before this episode goes up, and I could have them fourth. Like, I, I think this area of the table is so close, in my opinion, that a team in the next five slots could end up anywhere. No, absolutely, yeah. I think it, it starts to get into sort of the teams that are now possibly in contention for playoff berth, but like that, they are still just, you know, on the cusp of it. So if we're going to go then from eight down eight to five. Yeah. I've got the Belfast Sea Lions at eight. Last okay. year's Division One runner-up. Then I've got last year's Division One winners, the Panthers, in at seven. Then for some of the reasons, like you said, 
they've now got that blend of youth and experience that we have said that there towards the end of last year. Like that's what they needed. They needed that injection. And it was great to see the young lads from Thomastown Tigers coming over to the Raptors organization. I think that would be a, a big factor in sort of helping that club to continue on. Then I'm going to give what I think is a fair evaluation of this club and why I've got them at fifth, and that is the Maynooth Hurricanes. So, Maynooth Hurricanes are a good team. However, when you go into a playoff, and what was it, Joe? Can you remember? I'm pretty sure it was uh, 34-33. I'm pretty sure it was that close. I oh, wait, no, hold on. It may have been 66. Oh, was it 70? Jesus. It was high to nothing. I'll put it that way. <laughs> and a quarterback who threw how many interceptions? Uh, I threw three in the first four minutes of the game, I believe. <laughs> that was unfortunate. The game just got away from you very early on. And when a game gets away from you early on, you really have to start trying to force things through. And if they don't work, the game just gets further, further away. Like the Canes have a great pool of players that they can pull from. Hopefully, they've kept a lot of the squad together. There's a couple of your players also playing kinder football, so they've got football nearly 12 months of the year. Hopefully, a fresh crop will come into Maynooth that you know you'll be like, okay, we've got a couple of more pieces to add to the puzzle. I feel that they have the ability to push again for playoffs, but just at the minute. I feel like they're just sitting outside the playoff contention when there's only four teams going through. Last year, I believe, six teams went through. I feel like they're just outside that four-team margin. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's the thing. Like I could sit here and, and, and be biased all, all day if I wanted to, but it, it wasn't exactly a good display in that Cowboys game. Game got ahead, away from us very, very early. And like you said, when it gets away from me very quickly, it is very hard to get it back. And it was just one of those things where you kind of just said, look, we lost. Fair enough. But yeah, I think that kind of speaks to a wider thing about is consistency on the season. Uh, you know, I think I missed three games, whether it was through just availability or whatever the reason was. Three games, I think it was, I missed. And again, not just because it's me, but like, you know, when, when you don't have a starting quarterback there, it's things get difficult. So that maybe plays a bit into the season record. I think we finished four and four. Or I think on the website it says three and five, but there's actually an, <laughs> an incorrect result in there. So I'll have, I'll have to change that. But yeah, I finished four and four in the year. Again, it's just consistency. It, it, it's when the offense is firing, defense needs to too. And I think on our day, I think, again, and this is the same with anybody in this tier, basically. On our day, we could probably beat anyone. It's just how often do we all have that A again? But I mean, I think I, I think you look at how much over the last year or so, like you, you've got myself and, and a couple others on uh, looking at Wolfhounds, possibly, possibly making that squad. And the same with the Trojans and the same with the Cowboys. Like a lot of when you're testing your, yourself up against those players, everybody's going to get better. So we're hoping that by the time we get to game day in September, we start a bit later than everybody else. We hope that we are not falling behind. I'm knocking off that game rust that the fact that we've had so many players at international training sessions, hopefully we haven't fallen back 
on any game scenario type situations that were able to kick into the season full. So what you went eight to five there. Eight to five. So I'll fire back at you with my eight and seven and six and five. At eight, I have the Panthers. Like I said, a couple of acquisitions there. I think the club is in a pretty good spot. Seven, I have the Trojans. Again, I, I found it hard to knock them any further than that. I know you had them at ninth. And again, it just comes into it's how you rank them when they're so close together. One thing that did worry me was, now again, I can't say much given the result that we had against the Cowboys in a playoff game. But Cowboys, Vipers and Trojans all had a kind of scrimmage day. And I think the Cowboys beat the Trojans 45-0. Now look, when, when it's a team like the Cowboys, you kind of look and say, well, look, it's the Cowboys. It's the same thing looking at the Eagles in that 2018 to 2021 stretch. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to say anything about it. What can you pull away from it? But at the end of the day, it is a 45-0 loss. Now, the same with us. It's how we bounce back from that. Have to see how the Trojans bounce back from that loss. Maybe they get it together and make a push for that playoff spot. But for now, I'm having them at seven. Number six, I have the Lions. I'm very high on the Lions. They have a great uh, set up there. They have a great coaching staff and they have some really solid players. Obviously, a lot has been said like about the likes of, say, Dave Houston or even Helen Smith, all making fantastic plays pretty much routinely, uh, getting Wolfhound call-ups and stuff like that. Like, I'm really high on this Lions team. And Can I just ask a quick question? What has you putting the Lions above the Panthers, even though the Panthers in the previous meeting beat the Lions? Uh, the Lions quarterback in the I believe either in the semi-final or at the very very start of that final uh, was injured and taken out of the game so, so I'm gonna put that, I actually I, I do recall they were on I think it was their possibly their third string quarterback come that final game yeah yeah so again I just think that the Lions they're really smoothly run on the pitch they have a great set up in the back the club's actually run on a game day and Outside of games, yeah, I um, wouldn't quite call them into playoffs, especially with such a small window for playoffs. The fact there's only potentially only one team in the north going up, maybe three, probably two, depending on how they rank. But I, I find it hard to get the Lions in there now. At the same time, they're right outside that playoff territory for me, and I'd actually be pleasantly surprised if they did make it into that playoff territory. And then at Five for me, I have uh, Trinity. Now, again, this is taking into account the fact that I have the Hurricanes at number one. So, again, whatever way you want to take that, whether you take my Hurricanes ranking as Robbie's at five, or whether you put me down at, or put us down at 12, whatever, I do have the Hurricanes number one. So, Trinity's in at five. That could be a de facto four if you want to take it like that. Trinity have always been a really good uh, flag football squad. They've always been around that kind of you know, whether it was a six-game league, that kind of 6-0, and 5-1, and or an eight-game eight league, that kind of 7-1 and one range. Very rarely do they lose games. And they're actually quite a good team on defense. They are historically very hard team to score against. So they are kind of unique in that way that they find ways to stop really good offenses. So yeah, I think they're a dark horse to get into the final, possibly win. But I have them, again, whatever way you want to take my ranking, they're at five for me. Yes, that five 
as you said, de facto four. That's exactly where I had them myself. I had them in that fourth position slot. They're such a smooth team. You've got really good playmakers there, like the like the O'Dwyer brothers. Obviously, have had a load said about them in the past in kitted and in flag. They're such good players, but like they don't really have a weak link of sorts either. Everybody there is a really really solid good player, and again, that's what makes them so hard to to play against uh, as an offense. So I feel like that gives them a bit of an edge on that side of the ball, anyway. Yeah, like they've got speed, they've got physicality, they've played flag long enough now at this stage. They're not, I know with their flag season, they actually had some great numbers for players. You know, I think like 15 plus squads were turning up for most game days. It's not like kitted where you're needing at least 15 players to go and have a game. I feel that with even, say, nine or 10 guys, they can have like a great season. It'd be actually interesting now with them being college team, same as yourselves, and something that we actually haven't seen from from many, if any, of the college teams. Maybe set two will be a new addition with it. But a lack of female players on the team, that might be something I'd actually look for this year, if there's actually been an increase in participation of women throughout this league. Uh, yeah, but it's actually something that we, as Manute, we kind of struggled with as well, is trying to bring in female participation in the sport. Again, it, maybe it just comes down to individual clubs promoting within the college. Maybe that's a weakness there that should be focused on a bit more. I don't think it's, say, AFI's fault or anything like that. I don't think it's a development thing as a whole. I think it's just a either unfortunate or a lack of an attempt there from some colleges. I know the Elks actually have a great women representation there. So maybe that is something that college teams can reach out to the Elks and say, hey, listen, well, how, how are you promoting yourselves? What are you doing differently that we're not? Because again, like, there's some fantastic women. Again, I said Helen Smith on the Lions. Like, Helen is one of the best taggers in art. Like, she's always there in the right spot and she's fast and physical. She's not afraid to get in there and break up a pass. Like, Women can play just as much as, as men, Some uh, a lot better than a lot of the men that play the sport. So there's no reason the clubs shouldn't be looking to increase their openness, accepting women into the sport. Like it shouldn't be something that is looked as like, how oh, wide we have women for us. Like, I think at this stage, players throughout Ireland have shown that they're just as capable as playing as us men. It does. It so, makes a lot of sense for the college teams to have... What really they should have a lot more, like all the teams, you know, we've yeah. said it before, have female players. But when you have, with majority of colleges being a 50 50 split, they have sports and societies days with registration. You have a pool of players there that you just need to tap into. And they're like, they're right there. They're walking by you every day. Some of them haven't been signed up teams that are either college-based teams or teams that have an association with a college. I feel that, like you said, maybe teams aren't putting in an effort to uh, track more female players. But it's something that, you know, I think we've talked a lot about it, but not really seen any kind of massive change. You can kind of get a bit tired or broken down trying to be like, oh, we need it, we need it. But if you don't see any progress happening, I don't know what more to say about it. 
but that's yeah. a digress from uh, from our power rankings going into the season. So we both have Trinity there in that fourth slash fifth spot, depending on who you're looking at. Top three for me, it's got to be the Rebels, Eagles, Cowboys in that order. Uh, yeah, I have my remaining teams in that ranking. Rebels, Eagles, Cowboys. The Rebels, like, I mean, Greg Johnson, Dave King, Ty Henry, QB, like, Jesus Christ. Talk about Dan a matchup. Johnson. Dan Johnson as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, weapons. You've got all the Paisleys. Yeah, like, Jesus. You know what? Ah, uh, no, no, we're not, we're not changing. We're not changing. I made, I made this ranking. I'm happy with it. I'm not changing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Rebels, you should have told Robbie to make that point sooner. Yeah, I, look, at this, at this stage, I know we had it in the same order, but it genuinely could be in any order. They represented uh, Ireland in Europe, uh, not obviously as Ireland, but they have gone out into European competitions and, you know, played pretty well. Um, the same with the Cowboys. Yeah, exactly. The Rebels is, at least from like the powerhouse that they are, uh, is actually a fairly new version of the Rebels in flag. But Jesus, they pop off the screen when you look at the amount of talent on that roster. Yeah, like the, I think the only thing that can prevent them from being successful last year was when it got to the stage where it could have been said by some people that watching the Rebels play a flag looked like kitted without pads and that might have went against them. But in saying that, they have such talent, such skill players like you could list anyone on that rebels team and you'd be happy to have them lining out for your squad so i think this year could be kind of a big year you know to push by them to just make the leap and the only thing i feel that could stop them bar the eagles and cowboys is themselves like they should be very competitive I would almost go as far as saying that they are guaranteed to be in the playoffs. I know this is wildly early to be making playoff predictions, but you know we're doing power rankings of where we think teams will finish. If we think they're the third best team in this division, they should be then in the in the playoffs. I'm putting them in the playoffs. I would not be surprised if I don't think they'll win it, but I would not be surprised if they did win it. Yeah, like. Final four, obviously, I would change Trinity with ourselves personally. Again, that's the thing. Like, you could kind of change anyone in that kind of fourth spot. Those three teams, Cowboys, Eagles, Rebels, like, again, at the moment, we're saying Cowboys won. But, like, any order, and you're not going to be mad at it. Yeah. There's five five teams that we feel could finish fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Like, everything everything is so close in this division. Like, like we could we could be in a situation now where we're saying like so say uh, like I had the Lions at six, Trojans seven. You had Lions eight or seven. Yes. Like they could be fourth. They could be tenth. Mavericks. We both said tenth. They could be fifth or fourth. Like that middle tier of the Premier Division is so so tight. And I'd say if there were any. Vegas odds on any of those games. I wouldn't like to be the bookie because <laughs> you could set like a one and a half, two and a half point line. And if you basically just take the underdog in that stage and you're probably going to be safe, like every game is going to be 
if you were to try and score predict it, I would be predicting every game between those kind of four to ten range being within three or four points. To be honest, I ah, believe yes. that these teams, whoever, if you're within uh, a score in this game, if you have the ball with ten, five, even two seconds left, you could still win. You know, whoever has the ball in their hands within the last thirty seconds of a game, whether it be Lions against Panthers, Canes against Raptors, if you're within a score and you have possession, I would back a team with the ball to win the game. So really, Joe, like any team in the middle of those in the, the middle of the section of that division. Here, standing here as a coach, a player, even just a flag football enthusiast, whatever team has the ball in their hands within the last 30 seconds of the game, if they're within a score, they could easily win the game. I think it's it's as simple as that. Yeah, and like you said, flag football enthusiasts, I think that's the, the main thing there. Like, I think everybody, I don't think there's anybody coming into this flag football season thinking, ah, being apathetic about it. I think from what I've gotten any, anyway from a lot of people around the league, uh, like everybody's really, really excited, uh, especially after this season, seeing how explosive that was. I think a lot of people are, are really, really looking forward to seeing that explosion of offense and highlight plays and stuff like that continue. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait to, to see the games coming up this weekend. Lovely little segue. Oh, cheeky segue. Oh, that was, uh, that was into this weekend's games. So I guess we'll start with I suppose we started with division one for the power ranking, so we'll start division one as well. Before we get into the game, so where can people find all the latest score lines of the games and all the latest score lines throughout all the weekends? Oh, lovely bit of reminding there. So this year's flag football stuff, again, it'll be plastered all over the AFI socials soon. So the normal AFI website will have your, you know, final scores and it'll have a league table and stuff like that. But the flag football committee have decided we're going to try use uh, League Republic. So the league can be found at afiflagfootball.leaguerepublic.com. So basically, this website allows us to give you live uh, score updates. So basically, it can act as a tracker on live scores. So teams will be updating from the sideline scores. Stats will be updated live as they happen. It could be an interesting way to see more feedback and or interactivity with the league in general. Um, so it's something that the Flag Football Committee decided to use. So afiflagfootball.leaguerepublic.com. You'll be able to find roster lists and uh, player stats once games are over, uh, team stats after the game and in-game, live scores, stuff like that. So make sure to check that out. And obviously, that sounds like using... an excellent addition to to the league. Um, I'm definitely like it's going to be very interesting to see things instead of trying to find different teams' Twitter pages throughout the day, just having everything in the one location, getting updated with live feeds and updated player stats. It's going to be really good now. Yeah, it's something that I'll be, again, completely 100% transparent here. I was initially like, oh, you know, I, I don't know about moving away from like the main league website. It's not necessarily moving away from. This is just a nice little addition that we can use for live updating. The website, the main uh, league website, obviously, or the main association website isn't compatible with any live tracking. 
So I think it was a good idea to reach out and look at uh, something like League Republic that allows us to do this. And again, like you said, if, if you're at home or you're not watching a game at the venue or you're another team that just finished training and want to see what, uh, all the live score updates, I think it's a, a great little addition to what we try to do with promoting the game. So speaking of those games, so obviously those games taking place this week, uh, we'll start with Division 1. So the Division 1 South uh, will be hosted at Mullingar Rugby Club. So 11 o'clock starts there are Dublin Rebels second team versus Dublin City Wolves at 11 o'clock. Robbie, what do you feel about that one? I'm going to go for the Rebels second team. I don't know who is playing for them, but if it came from the Rebels organization and from what we've seen, all the players, like they, there's a lot of mouths to feed in the Rebels. So I'm not going to be surprised at all if I see someone walking onto that pitch with a Shamrock Bowl medal around their neck playing Division One flag football because there's that many players, that many, that much quality. Everyone's want to get gonna get out there. So if you were third, fourth, or fifth on the depth chart of receiver or DB for the Rebels in that kid of team, you're lining out here today like you're a quality player. And I'm gonna say that the Rebels second team should should come away with with the win from that game. Handsomely come away with a win. Yeah, I'd say that too. Uh, again, it's hard, like we said when we were projecting how the Wolves would do, it's hard to say what they'll be like. You kind of have to go with what you know, and I'd be going with the Rebels second team too there. Another 11 o'clock kickoff there is uh, Westmead Minotaurs and Kildare Crusaders. I would take the Minotaurs there myself, Rob. Yeah, like we have the Minotaurs pushing for for playoffs, if not pushing for winning this this division. An early win for the Minotaurs against Crusaders just get things rolling nicely. I don't yeah. think there, there's going to be much argument. Uh, 12.30 then, the second round of games there at Mullingar Rugby Club. Uh, Kildare Crusaders and the Dublin City Quetzals. Now, this could be an interesting game because obviously we both had them pretty tightly ranked in Division 1. I will actually go against my power rankings. I think the Crusaders will get better as the season goes on, but I would actually take the Quetzals here. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. Well, I could, but gonna. I put the Quetzals in there at, for, for getting the win in this, in this game. Yeah. I think as the season goes on for the Crusaders, things will improve. A little bit of gel in time for the flag team. You know, an early loss, get it out of your system. It's not the worst thing that could happen. So I'm going to go Quetzals. Yeah. The other 12.30 kickoff then uh, is the Dublin City Wolves and Westmead Minotaurs. Again, like we said with the Minotaurs and the Wolves there in the other game, uh, it kind of applies here too. I would say Minotaurs here pretty one-sidedly. Yeah, two for two for the Minotaurs from the day. You have that experience from the Minotaurs that we've talked about time and time again. You've got players like, I know Jack Lynch has now been called up to the, the Wolfhounds flag team. I'm not going to be argued when I say to people that it's about time. So you've, you've got that. You've got a couple of other people who could be called coming away from the day two wins yeah and then last game at uh, Mullingar Ruby Club at club <laughs> Mullingar Ruby Club at two o'clock the Quetzals and Rebels second team now I think depending on how each team's first game goes this could be interesting I think if the Quetzals have a pretty good game with the Crusaders they have a bit of a better chance against the Rebels second team but 
again, like you said, when you have so many marks to feed on the Rebel second team, it's you kind of have to go with them until proven otherwise. Yeah, like if they were running from back-to-back games, so if it was Rebels playing in that midsection game and then Rebels playing again, I would go for the Quetzals. Uh, that temporary break, just like flag football is a fast game. Even if you're an extremely fit athlete, you still need time to recover. Having that in-between game, as long as players aren't just standing about getting tight, I, I feel that you know that wee breather should do the Rebels a bit of good. I can see the Rebels coming away with a second win that day. Yeah, I'd be agreed there. So moving up then to Premier Division North, taking place at Harlequins Rugby Club in Belfast. 11 o'clock, you have the Mavericks and the Trojans. Get your take on that, Robbie. Yeah, big T. It's up, up near their home. If not, it is their home. They are a bit of a different beast up there in Belfast. I can see them getting a win. Like, we have them ranked above the Mavericks just slightly. But going on the past three encounters, I know we're going to sort of scratch that last one where the Mavericks only had five players. But the two before that, I, I think from memory, the, the Trojans got wins in both those games. I feel that the Trojans will, will get another win in that game. Yeah, it's a hard one for me. Again, I know the 2021 season for the Mavericks kind of played into my ranking there, but at the same time, like I don't think they're that 2021 team. I think being at home uh, helps the Trojans, and I'll, I'll lean Trojans there in that 11 o'clock game. Uh, of course, the Trojans then go back to back, and at 12.30, they play the Donegal Dairy Vipers. Now, in that aforementioned three-team scrimmage, uh, with the Cowboys, I believe the Trojans and Vipers played a very tight game. 25-20, I believe the score was. And the Vipers had the ball right near the end of the game. And as far as my sources have told me, I think it was a late turnover by the Vipers that basically sealed the game. But the Vipers hung with the Trojans and almost came away with a win. Taking on the Trojans right after they've played what I think could be a tougher game than some against the Mavericks. I might lean Vipers here. Finally, we have a game that we will be both calling the same way. I'm sticking with the Trojans. I know like we all believe that the game against the Mavericks would be tighter. And I've said previously with the likes of the Rebels that we breather in between is always good. At home in Belfast, I feel that the, the Trojans, they'll get that first win. They'll be gun ready to go for a second one. That yeah. preseason game was extremely tight. And I can see this game ending up the same way, just purely on like what we've seen from the teams. Like I said, it's going to be a tight encounter, but going to just go with the Trojans just sneaking the win. And then the two o'clock game, Mavericks and Vipers. I think regardless of if they get that win that I would lean or whether they lose to the Trojans in that first game, playing two games back-to-back, unless you have a 15-person roster, 15-plus-person roster, it can be tough. And like you said, flag football is a fast game. So I think you have to favour the Mavericks there. Although I do think a win for the Vipers in that first game would make things very interesting in this 2 o'clock game. If the Vipers win in the, the that first game, and if the Vipers then win against the Mavericks, we're in for a very, very interesting season. Yes, sir. Yeah. And 
things get heated really early on at the bottom end of that division. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, are you Mavericks or are you Vipers? Oh, hell yeah, I'm going Mavericks. Yeah, I'm going Mavericks, yeah. Would have been blasphemous otherwise. Can't have your own team going 0-2 no. on opening day. Uh, obviously, then, that's Premier Division North. There's also games in Premier Division South uh, taking place at Time and Park. So the 11 o'clock kickoff, obviously, uh, Rebels uh, versus the Panthers. We talked so much about the Rebels in our power rankings, preseason power rankings, that it'd be a bit of a shock not to side with them. Uh, I'm going with the Rebels here. Robert, I don't know about you. Yeah, like I know we've talked about how many additions have been made to the Panthers organization, but still Rebels are up there in our top three teams for the Premier Division. They will be coming in here all guns blazing. It's another one of the the battles for Dublin supremacy, and I'm just going to go with the the Dublin Rebels. Simple. 12.30, absolutely, positively, without a shadow of a doubt, game of the week. Eden Derry Eagles versus Dublin Rebels. We've said that the top teams in this division are very difficult to split. And I've ranked the Eagles ahead of the Rebels. I'm going to have to go with an Eagles win. Eagles are just recently back from playing in a tournament in Wales. They have played, like you said, tournaments all across Europe. They've been the, the sort of Irish representation abroad for countless years. They just seem to always have a way of getting the job done. We've seen Jordan Farrell now going to the Crusaders. We'll see if anyone else has went with him. But at this stage, evening thrown, you have to just say Eagles are going to do what the Eagles have done. They're going to side with the Eagles. They're just going to fly to victory. Yeah, I think if there's a crowd for this game, or even if it's honestly just the players on the sideline, I think everybody there is going to really enjoy this game. I'm sure there'll be fireworks. I'm sure there'll be massive plays. I'm sure there'll be inevitably a couple people blaming refs on such a short or such a tight game. I will... On a short pitch. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. I will go with the Rebels for a bit of content here. I think this game could go either way. And yeah. I just really like the talent on the Rebels team. I don't think, as far as I know, we've seen uh, all three of Ty, Greg, and uh, Dave King, and even with Dan Johnson there as well, play together in flag football. Uh, Or at least I haven't seen them play together anyway. And I will definitely be going to this game because I just want to witness the spectacle that will happen. I lean Rebels. And then 2 o'clock, last game that we will preview for this weekend. And the opening weekend of the flag football season for 2022 uh two o'clock is south dublin panthers versus eden dairy eagles robbie it kind of annoys me at times going for who we think are the favorites but at the end of the day favorites are favorites for a reason so i could go with my heart and pick the panthers or i could go what with what history has you know foretold and go with the eagles I'm going to go with my head and I'm going to pick the Eagles to come away with a win here. Panthers, they've got promoted. They're making moves in the right direction. But this is flag football. And when it comes to flag football, very few teams do it better than the Eden Dairy Eagles. Yeah, I'll go 
Eagles there as well, but it is a bit of a a tame pick on me. I'm like, I don't want to put my all the eggs in one basket type thing. Like the Panthers have some quality players. I think Ryan Eccles is a really, really, really underrated receiver. He's so smooth in his routes and he's got such, you know, you can trust his hands wherever you put the ball. He's going to catch it. He has a massive catch radius. Yeah, I think it still has to be Eagles, though. Just again, like you said, how they've played the last four years is incredible. And the fact they've already played flag football games this year, competitive ones, too. uh, I think that helps them. So I personally then, based on those predictions, have the Rebels 2-0, Eagles 1-1, Panthers 0-2 in Premier Division South. What else do I have here? I have the Vipers 1-1. and the Trojans, Trojans one and one, Mavericks one and one. Yes, uh, and then Division One South. I have Minotaurs two and zero, Dublin Rebels second two and zero, Quetzals one and one, Crusaders zero and two, and Wolves zero and two. So a pretty, honestly, a pretty good lineup for the first weekend. Uh, I think the scheduling director for this season has done pretty well. Got some pretty good games on. That Eden Derry Eagles Dublin Rebels game is still playing in my mind. All the possible plays that could come up. I'm really excited. You know, it's nice that you're not waiting months and months between the end of one kitted season and then into a flag season. And hopefully as well, pretty soon we'll also be seeing youth football. And just nine out of twelve months of the year we just we see football. I approve of nine out of twelve months having football. Having the only breaks of com- competition being the end of November, December, January, February. The most beautiful time of the year here in Ireland. So yeah, that's our flag football uh, preview episode, I suppose. We've gone through our projections and predictions for Division 1 North and South, Premier Division North and South, how we see each team ranking at the end of the season. And then obviously we've gone through Game Week 1's uh, schedule. Uh, so I think that's us done, Rob, except for the one little note that anybody looking for tickets to the Erlingus College Football Classic on the 27th of August at Aviva Stadium, uh, the game between Nebraska and Northwestern, to make sure to use AFICFB2022 as your code at checkout. Uh, this will allocate five euro for every ticket back to AFI so that we can help out with the development and progression promotion of the sport and obviously distribute. Uh, some of that money to clubs as well. So uh, you're helping out AFI, you're helping out your club, and you're helping out the sport in general. And obviously, you're getting a ticket to what will be a great a great day. Uh, so, so, Joe, just one more thing before we go. I think you're forgetting. But we're nominated for an award. We are. Yup. <laughs> Mad. How did we get this far without mentioning uh, that we are up for one of the Irish Podcast Award for the marketing? The marketing that's went into this podcast, basically bringing American football here in Ireland, not only to its members, but also to the, the wider public in general. Much love must go to Lindsay McVeigh and Dylan Coyle for doing a lot of the graphics for the show, as Absolutely. well as, well as you know, Dr. Kelly Dwyer for her hours of editing. Me and Joe, we play a part too. Kind of. We kind of just, we we kinda just talk. <laughs> if you're still listening to this part, we feel valued by you. 
But yeah, we're also up against two other excellent podcasts, the the Public Sector podcast and the Red Rooms podcast with Jenny Claffey. So two other excellent podcasts. I'm not saying to go to them. Stay loyal to your own. Stick with us. But we are obviously honoured and much love and appreciation goes out to everyone who has made the podcast what it has been so far. Like Joe said at the start of the year, the new flag season kind of marks the, the second season of the show. And really, we, we've done it all for everyone out there who's continued to listen. And for the old fans and the new, just thank you very much and continue to vote for us. Yeah, I mean, as corny as it sounds, this podcast isn't anything without you guys listening as much as myself and Robin and Kelly and everybody who's done any bit of work into in getting this podcast off the ground and promoting it. At the end of the day, it's you guys listening and it's you guys making it worth it for us and obviously helping make us be big enough to be nominated for a national award, which is just stupid to think about. So honestly, again, as Robbie said, anybody who's helped us out and obviously anybody who's listened or shared or liked or commented on any of our social media posts or listen to any uh, podcast or interactive with our stuff on uh, Spotify as well. Uh, just thank you so much. Just to make sure to go to irishpodcastawards.ie uh, to make sure to get your vote in. And on that note, Joe, I think we'll uh, wrap it up. Just a short episode for today. Just a short one. We've been your hosts. Kevin Hart. And I'm Robbie Caldwell. Peace. Peace.